Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody. I'm Umchiu Boskov, host of the CX Impact Podcast and CX Champion at Gemseek. I hope you liked the previous episode of the podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. According to Gartner, 89% of businesses are expected to complete manual customer experience in the upcoming years. This number will obviously vary from one industry to another, but regardless in which field you are, most of your competitors already have a strong focus on CX. They aim to create seamless customer journeys and memorable customer experiences exactly as you are. Today we will discuss what is the value of knowing how your competitors deliver on their CX promises, how to track it continuously, and most importantly, how to act to get competitive advantage. I'm pleased to have as my guest a colleague and a friend of mine, Ivayu Yokov. Ivayu has over 15 years of experience in CX and delivering data-driven insights. Throughout the years, he has helped many of the global Fortune 500 companies to build and run impactful competitive CX programs. Currently, Ivao is a managing director at Jamesic, leading the company's insights teams. He is on a mission to get to the heart and minds of today's consumers, turning what-if-you-knew statements to know about the future. Ivao is a keen learner and photographer, and he recently started his own concrete jewelry brand. Ivao, thanks for being on the CX Impact podcast. Thank you very much, Mamchu, for having me in your podcast. It's fantastic, really, to be in such a great company like the previous people that you interviewed. It's full of insights and truly inspirational. Tell me more about your road to CX and why you have selected the field. My road to CX was, I think, as pretty much as anything in life, partially by chance, partially by design. So 15 years ago, I was just starting my career. So I started working for a very large multinational research company that was just starting to develop basically its customer satisfaction, as it was called in these times, uh, practice. So they were looking for someone to champion this. I volunteered because I think it says a lot about who you are in a way, because I've always liked to to develop relationships with people. So I, I think also business is a lot about developing relationships with your customers. And I think it's a good way to think about your business, building a relationship with the people who want to use your services. I was really happy to take on this role. At the time, there wasn't as much going on in the field as it is now. I mean, we had customer satisfaction. We were still arguing about whether customer satisfaction is a good metric or we should be using MPS and and so on. And a lot of the data collection methods uh, these days that are available now weren't available back in the time. So we're mostly doing research surveys like the, the very traditional qualitative and quantitative research. It was a lot of fun because actually a lot of companies were actually starting to think about, to become customer-centric and to think about their, their customers and the experience they're providing. So yeah, that, that was pretty much it, I think. Partially really by chance, but partially because I, I've always wanted to kind of help companies, if you will, with the move the wheels, the internal wheels, the calls to deliver fantastic customer experience. Yeah, that's really great. I think that many people who are in CX share this passion for building relationships and improving the customer journey and to end really providing uh, seamless experiences. We can talk about many topics today, but I really wanted to zoom in one particular one, one of the main that you're expert in, but really talking about the competitive perspective within CX program. Many organizations neglect the competitive element and they consider that doing an internal benchmark is enough. For example, 
one location versus the other or from one business line to the other. Why do you think that having a competitive element within your sales program is important? I hear your concern. Uh, I also see a lot of companies neglecting this element and mostly focusing on internal measurements. I wouldn't say that's necessarily wrong, you know, it, it also depends a lot on, on where the company stands, whether they can actually utilize the insights and so on. And I've heard a lot of arguments that it's not as competitive as running your own internal uh, customer satisfaction program. And there is some merit to these doubts. My personal impression is that unless I know where my competitors stand in terms of customer experience, but also in terms of the products they offer, the advertisements they do and so on, how are you going to get better than them? I mean, it, uh, your competitive CX program provides your benchmark. This is what you should be gunning for. If you want to be the best in business and have the highest market share, well, it's a good idea to also provide the best in class customer experience. So again, I recognize the doubts, but as pretty much any survey and any program that you can run, it depends a lot on, they're not inherently, if you will, actionable or not. It, it's about what you can make out of them. Good competitive CX program can give you a lot of things. I find it very motivational because I think a lot of employees and a lot of people working for businesses actually strive to be better than the competitors. So that kind of gives them a, a necessary boost. For example, if they're seated their second or third or God forbid, you know, even further down the line, that can give them a, a necessary nudge and urgency, if you will, to fight the competition. It can also give you a lot of ideas because people, well, interviewing competitors, clients, can oftentimes give you a lot of ideas of the things that you can do better. And it's a great feeling to see that you're closing the gap to the best in class or that you are extending it, of course, if you are the top company in your sector. You really said a lot and I want to summarize it in uh, two sentences. So what you're saying that having a competitive sex program not only provides you with a benchmark, but also gives you a lot of ideas and a better understanding of the market. So customer needs beyond your existing customer base, but also something very interesting that you mentioned, and I like a lot that gives the a drive, an internal drive to strive to become number one if you're number two or three, or for sure you'll be one number two or three in one of your business lines. So it also has both the external, but also the internal drive. Of course, yeah. It's a lot like playing tennis alone, you know, hitting a ball against the wall versus playing tennis versus a competitor. I mean, at the end of the day, it's very, it's great fun probably to train and to hit the ball against the wall. You can do it all day long. You can do it in your own terms. You can become better and so on. But the true test really is when you start playing against a real competitor, someone who actually wants to, well, steal market share from you if it's in a business context or steal your customers. That's where it becomes really interesting, I believe. Love about this comparison. Okay. But when is the right time to start such a program? As many companies, they always try to fix their internal CX program and then they never come to the point where they're ready to add the competitive element. That's an excellent question. Thanks a lot for that. Oftentimes we talk to clients and they say probably we're not ready or we're afraid to start too early and so on. My personal opinion is that you start with your competitive CX program as early as possible, really. Because this kind of provides the backbone against which you can build all the other elements. At the end of the day, competitive CX programs are going to, are likely to be very comprehensive to investigate a lot of touch points, a lot of relationship elements and so on. And I think of them as the foundation, if you will, for pretty much anything else that, that you're going to do later on. 
in a way, I'm gonna say start early, probably don't start big. It's a lot like, as you said, I love running, so it's a lot like running. Don't do too much too early, but it's a good idea to start just to have a, to get a feeling of where do you stand versus the competitors. Because at the end of the day, it might turn out that your customers say they're relatively happy with you, and this might give you the a, probably a false sense of accomplishment, if you will, because if customers are extremely happy with the competitors, then you have a problem. And it's better to know this sooner rather than later, I think. Totally agree. Yeah. And uh, then going how to actually do it and what are really the first steps to take? It's a tough one because there are a lot of options, really. It's a question pretty much any company should solve for itself. But there are obviously some guidelines that I can share with you. I think one of the most important things is to try not to start too big or at least not to continue as big as you start. Because a lot of times companies do these huge competitive customer experience programs with very long questionnaires and whatnot. And it can really cumbersome at some point. These programs can become very difficult to move. So my advice basically would be probably start with a good comprehensive and holistic survey to cover as much as possible. Do make sure that you include the relevant competitors. And that's becoming a very difficult question these days with the blurring of lines between industries, if you will. Because if you're a telco, for example, who exactly are your competitors in the telco domain? I mean, you provide voice, but then is voice as important as it was 10 years ago? Probably not. You could argue that data is becoming more and more important. So in that respect, who are your competitors in that field? It's really this blurring of the lines that makes it very difficult for companies to select the right competitive set. I, what I always advise clients is to think of it from their customer's perspective. What need is the customer actually trying to solve here? What is the job to, they're, they're trying to do? And these are your competitors, really, not really the competitors that in the traditional sense. You also, I think, need to make sure that you're measuring the right things in the beginning. That's obviously another very difficult question to solve. But oftentimes I see companies measuring things that are important for them, but not necessarily things that their competitors are stressing on. So in a way, they're, um, they're trying to, at the end of the day, they're measuring what they want to achieve and they, the scores turn out to be really good, but because they're not including what competitors are trying to do, you know, they become number one, but then, yes, if you measure what you want to be good at, you will be, be number one. It's important, what I'm saying is that it's important to probably go a little bit broader in, in the beginning include things that you're not necessarily interested in right now or that are not necessarily within your brand strategy because you're doing a competitive survey. You need to make sure that you're also measuring what your competitors are doing and that's very difficult to catch. Uh, what I would say, good advice I think is to include as many customer groups in the beginning of your program as possible because you can always focus this a little bit later on but it's important to have a good representativeness and a good coverage of your customer base in the very beginning. I'm also a huge advocate of setting up the ground rules for these programs from the very beginning. I'm not a stickler for, you know, having bureaucracy and very stringent rules, but you do need, I think, to have guidelines because you're likely to repeat the survey again in probably a month's time or three months time, six months time. 
I think it's really a must, really. Uh, sorry to put it this bluntly, but it's a must to ensure consistency and um, good comparison of the results in time. Because at the end of the day, what are you going to measure against yourself against if you change the survey all the time? So I think you need to have a kind of a fixed core of your program or a fixed set of questions if we're talking about a survey or a fixed set of KPIs that you're measuring probably also a relatively stable set of competitors, a relatively stable methodology for running the survey. And of course, in time, you also need to reinvent your program. Because what oftentimes happens is that all tracking surveys are guilty of that. They tend to become a little bit, I'm not going to say boring probably, although I do want to say boring, to be honest, just because the results don't change this much. So people get a little bit frustrated by, you know, seeing the same results over time and so on. So you need to also embed this element of, how do we reinvent this program in time? How do we add elements? How do we maintain the flexibility? And how do we ensure that we ask the relevant things? Because the things that you're going to ask today are probably not going to be relevant in one year's time. Not all of them, really. Because, you know, life happens. Okay, great. This was really super insightful. And just to summarize, I think you mentioned five key steps, like build the guidelines, select the right competitors, choose the right things to measure, not only what you're doing, but also what your competitors are doing. Include as many customer groups as possible at the beginning, then focus and constantly reinvent your program. I think these were really the five key steps that you mentioned. And I like a lot how straightforward and uh, sharp this is. It. Yeah. And there is a lot more to that, to be honest, in order to summarize it <laughs> yeah. for me. Thanks a lot for that. Obviously, I skipped a lot of the elements that are by now, I think it's common knowledge uh, that you need to also have to align all of your stakeholders because this program is going to be used by a lot of people within your company. So you want to make sure that you have buy-in, that you have a good alignment, that these people know that, you know, on this date, they're going to receive their report and what are the things that they're going to be able to do with it. Obviously, I think also C-level support is a good idea to have. A lot of these programs actually started at C-level or are initiated bottom-up, but again, they reach the stage in which they have C-level support. And it, that's vital because at the end of the day, C-level people do a lot of things, obviously, but one of the most important things is that they send messages within the company. If it's on their agenda, it's on the company agenda. So if customer experience is at the agenda of your CEO, then this makes sense a very strong signal that this should be on the on the agenda of the whole company. At the end of the day, I, I strongly believe that CX is more about a shift in the mindset, to be honest with you, rather than anything else. Of course, there are a lot of things that follow from this, but how do you make decisions, for example? If your criteria for making decisions is purely profit, then you're probably going to take certain kinds of decisions. But then if you have a, a second criteria, if you will, and that's how is this going to make the customer feel, that's a very different story because you have a very different angle towards your decisions. So I probably digressed a little bit, but um, C-level support and internal alignment is vital, of course. Absolutely. Totally agree. We very nicely come to the next question I wanted to ask, and it's super important. Overall, many people argue that CX programs are not actionable. And competitive CX program, they really doubt them the most. They say that you can't close the loop with customers and with the competitor customers, obviously, that they lack granularity of insights. What would be your suggestions to make really the most out of your competitive CX program? Very good point, Momchu. Thanks a lot for that. 
I think you're very right when you say that a lot of people say that, as I said in the beginning as well, there is a lot of merit to that as well. But at the end of the day, it depends on how do you think, what is the goal of your program? These things are designed for, they're fit for purpose. The purpose of a lot of the competitive CX programs is to really drive the strategy of your company. And a lot, a lot of it is to also align the organization and to give you kind of the, the feeling of the temperature, the lay of the land. They're not necessarily actionable in the sense that you mentioned, you know, you can't close the loop. No, you can't close the loop. But what you can do is align your actions for the next three years around where do you want to go and what do you want to achieve. And that, in a competitive context, you only get, obviously, by running a competitive CX program. The granularity of insights, I think a lot of what we're seeing in the insights domain actually is guilty of that sin. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Oftentimes, even what I do in my work, I'm not happy with the granularity to which I can get. Uh, it's just part of business. That's why it's important that you know the sector you're working on and it's important to have the experience, if you will, on how to design a good survey. But there are a lot of methodologies these days that actually can complement the more traditional qualitative and quantitative surveys. You can probably do web mining and text analytics. Text analytics, I love. It's one of the tools of the future because at the end of the day, people are telling you everything that you need to know and they're telling it on your website. They're telling it to you on Facebook, on Instagram. Everywhere. People want to talk about these things. I think we're guilty of not wanting to listen enough rather than, than anything else and not being able to connect the dots because if the information is out there, how do we get this information? How do we make it, turn it into actionable insights? How does it fit with the, with the other surveys that we have? I think there is a lot that is going to happen in, the, in this domain in the coming years. Again, it's, text analytics is one of the few things that can give you qualitative type of insights, you know, with the stories and with, with all the context in which people, you know, tell how exactly they went and how does the product fit within their lives and so on. But it can also do a lot in terms of predictions. For example, text analytics has been known to contribute significantly to figuring out whether people will default on their loans simply by analyzing the language people use, the different words people use, you can predict if they're going to default on their loans. I think that's huge, really. Also understanding customer vocabulary and how people talk about things and when they say quality, what do they mean by quality? People are telling you all of, all of these things online. When it comes to surveys, I think it's a lot about, uh, well, I'm going to be very blunt here. It's a lot about knowing how to design a good survey. And uh, it's a lot also about utilizing the latest technologies because these days you can run very dynamic surveys so instead of having your traditional 20 minutes long questionnaire what you can do is uh, something that resembles a lot of chatbot if you will so something that can actually have a much closer to real life conversation with your customers rather than just you know i ask questions and my customers answer my questions and that's that. that's a very one-sided conversation it's not a conversation if it's one-sided at the end of the day so we want to have a dialogue so we want to really make the most of the technology that's out there you want to have the flexibility to to insert a question depending on what your customer is interested in and that gives you a lot of granularity in your insights a lot of granularity comes actually from asking the right people if you will if you're asking people, that also speaks a lot, obviously, but if people are totally disengaged and uh, with your company, or even if they're just neutral, 
they're probably not gonna say a lot, but it also it's also a lot about the timing of the survey. You obviously don't wanna send the survey Sunday morning, if you will, that's probably not the best time for people to respond to your survey. So you wanna make sure your timing is also right. So there is a lot, back to your question, a lot about a lot about how do you actually execute on your program to make it actionable. And to be fair, it's like any other knowledge at the end of the day. I think it's what you make out of it. It can be very actionable if you can link it to your internal results. And very importantly, if you can link it to your operations. The thing I love about customer experience is how you link all of the elements. You know, If the people in your contact center for example, call customers twice a week or, or if they give them a call immediately after a service disruption, you know that this is going to happen and this is going to increase their score on how well you handle complaints. And this in turn is going to increase your score on customer satisfaction or, or NPS or whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's not about the score, but you can see the full chain really. That's really powerful. So you, you pull a lever here and you know that something is going to happen at the end of the line. That's what I believe is really powerful. Again, a customer experience programs, competitive ones are a lot about the strategy. And I think that's vital. I haven't heard of anyone saying that a strategy is, you know, they're not necessarily actionable, but they provide the vision for your company. They provide the North Star towards your, towards which you're orienting all of your actions. I think companies need to make this more visible within, within organizations, if you will. Because people bang along on the on the vision they have and the mission and so on, but few companies actually have a customer experience vision or a mission, or a customer experience statement. I mean, if I, if you ask a company what is the customer experience that you're trying to create, give it to me in, in one sentence or in in three words, a lot would be hard pressed to to actually do it. Okay, yeah, that's great and really very very interesting what you mentioned. I think it very nicely comes together with our entire conversation. It's uh... What you said that really we should start with a traditional competitive CX survey, start small, understand like your competitors, uh, get uh, insights uh, for your strategy and the vision of your company, as well as inspiration, and then start reinventing your program, adding new elements so that uh, you can also add, if you want, competitive elements on a day-to-day -day operation level by everything that you mentioned around text analytics, additional data sources, etc., etc., and really have a very complete uh, competitive CX program, while at the same time continue doing, of course, from time to time for the traditional CX survey, which gives you the strategy and vision, or not the traditional one, but what you mentioned around chatbots and uh, having a more dynamic conversations. Indeed, this reinventing this element of reinvention, I think it's it's really vital. What I always try to do, and what we try to do as a company, is to always embed this element of flexibility within everything that we do. Because at the end of the day, you want to have it rel relatively stable, so you have a core of KPIs that you monitor in time, but you also want to make sure that you you satisfy the needs of multiple stakeholders, which oftentimes means that you need to, to include two different questions in a survey or you need to do a different kind of data analysis or you need to do a little bit of web mining and reading what people are saying and so on. You got to do that. It makes perfect sense to do it because it adds this fresh perspective towards your customer, um, to, towards your customer, really. And another thing that I find really important, we which we didn't, we didn't talk about this as much as 
as I think it warrants, uh, is about really the how do you how do you set up the cadence of your program? What is the frequency with which you execute your competitive program? And I think oftentimes companies opt for much higher frequency actually than needed until they realize that the competitive landscape doesn't change as quickly as, as they have thought before. Because, you know, these things take time to, to have effect. So I would probably advise for, well, when I say higher frequency, you probably don't want to do it daily. You probably don't, don't want to do it weekly. Monthly might, might actually be, be quite all right, especially in, a very, in very dynamic industries, but even quarterly might work for others. And I think it's it, it's more about having these quick deep dives. You don't necessarily want to run your full program, if you will, all the time. It's good to have it always on, but with a very short questionnaire, if you're running a survey or in a very automated manner. I think at the end of the day, these things, a competitive MPS for customer experience program, more, more broadly speaking, can turn uh, into the place that all of your people go on a weekly basis, if you will, to check how they're doing. That is best done if it's fairly automated, be it text analytics, data analytics, or surveys. But you need to have it a little bit shorter. You don't need the whole thing uh, running uh, all the time. You probably want to have the opportunity to do deep dives, and I think that's really powerful, to have a partner who can actually you call your customer experience partner and you ask them, hey, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this thing happening in my program and I need to I need to do, run a deep dive to understand what's happening. So you run a deep dive and then you go back to normal, to your benchmark measurement, to your to understanding where do you stand. That I think is really important. And it, I think it's also important to turn it into probably kind of an early warning system if you can. Because a lot of the information, as I said, is out there. I remember last week I had a conversation with a client and they said, we understood there is a product quality issue with one of our, our products. But after we solved it, we realized that had we gone to an online retailer and read the ratings and reviews that are out there, we would have known about this two weeks earlier because people were talking about these things. When I talk about competitive uh, CX programs, it definitely doesn't only cover uh, you know, research, because there is a lot more you can do. And again, ideally, you want to have it as an early warning system, something that that tells you what is going on right now, whether you have a problem, whether one of your competitors have a problem, which is, by the way, something that we realized together with one of our clients. We were running, a, uh, again, it was, a, it was a text analytics project, and the client realized that one of their competitors had a problem that our client actually never knew existed in the first place. I mean, imagine your competitor is facing a tough challenge, people are complaining about it, and you have no clue about it. Once they knew that this is happening, that's from the telco industry, by the way, once they knew this was happening, they immediately launched a campaign explaining that, you know, they didn't have this issue at all. It was a no-brainer. I mean, of course, if your competitor is facing a challenge, well, you, you do what you can to take advantage out of it. Sorry, Momchu, I kind of digressed a little bit from your question here, uh, but yeah. No worries, no, it's fine. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting and you made a great point that and it's really amazing and probably the future of competitive CX programs is there of having about uh, what's happening and being able to proactively take an action prior to something has happened or immediately after it has happened because especially big companies, it takes, as you mentioned, uh, weeks. I really 
to get the insight to the product team, for example, and to fix something. And if you notice it early enough and if it gets directly through to them, through an award, then they can do it in a blink of an eye. Yeah, you got to know about these things. And the earlier you know, the better, obviously. That's kind of the value of having an automated system, if you will. So you do it, if you will, uh, in an always-on fashion, but your deep dives, you do as needed. And that's also very efficient from investment perspective, to be honest, because it's a constant challenge for companies, of course, to find the budget to do it, and that's a great resolution for it. Absolutely, totally agree. Okay, just briefly, if you can tell me, because at GenSeq, we've been helping companies to run their competitive CX programs now for many years. Why were you so successful in this and really how to find the right partner to build your competitive CX program? Well, thanks a lot for the question. It's uh, very flattering, of course, to, to be successful in such a domain. I think it's really about what makes us successful is not necessarily what's, what's going to make every company successful, obviously. I think with us, it's a, more about being able to execute at scale because a lot of what we do is tracking studies or tracking programs, things that repeat in time, uh, multi-country and also yeah, multi-year, but also multi-country engagements. And we have the systems in place to run these programs efficiently. I think it's also about our desire to provide actionable results, you know, and to be able to change the program. If, if something is not working, we, we just go out there and talk to the client and change it to make it uh, actionable for them and to make it useful for them. And I think it's it's also about this flexibility of the approach. You know, I, I know we're running a customer experience program, but at the end of the day, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to put it very bluntly. I don't actually care what exactly do we do in the, in the customer experience program, as long as what we provide is insightful and as long as it's actionable. So in a lot of ways, I think we're data agnostic or data collection method agnostic. And we do what it what it takes. The goal at the end of the day is for our clients to provide fantastic customer experience. And our goal is to support them in this journey. So we do what it takes to actually do it. I think that's really very important because you need to care about your customer. We advocate about customer experience, but at the same time, we also need to provide absolutely the same level of customer experience to our own clients. And of course, I'm, I'm not going to go into all the details about the capabilities that we have and so on, because that's obviously in place. But I think it's this really mindset of, you know, being with the client for the long game, not for not, not in a transactional fashion. I don't want to run a survey for them and I don't want to do a data analytics project for them. What I want to do is help them deliver better customer experience. And that's it. Absolutely, totally agree with you. And I think also now from our conversation, the fact that we're really very flexible, agile, and what we're seeing with uh, the boring grinds of the competitive landscape, and uh, the fact that uh, you should cover more and more channels, uh, be as flexible as possible, proactive, and it really it's what we are as a company. And I think that's also what makes us a great partner for competitive CX programs. Okay, we came to the end of the conversation my last question would be really if you can provide one single advice to cx leaders who are our listeners how to achieve a bigger impact what it would be excellent question thanks a lot for that i think that's this transformation because it's still a transformation we, we talk a lot about customer experience but to be honest the very fact that we need to talk about it means that it's not well embedded in the business world so we need to keep talking about customer experience and we need to keep trying to change the mindset if you will of a lot of 
companies and a lot of people within companies that customer experience at the end of the day is, is what matters because it encompasses a lot more than we, we typically think about it. Every time I hear the company's name, that's already customer experience. Every time I see the company logo, it's customer experience. The places where I see the company logo, that also changes my customer experience. From a customer's point of view, at the end of the day, it's pretty much anything that I can hear or read about the company constitutes an experience. What I'm saying is that it's a lot about the, this change in uh, the mindset within companies that, that I think a lot of customer experience champions or heads of customer experience need to do. So in that sense, it's a lot about behavior change or change management within the companies. And good change management, I think, has got three elements, basically. It's, there is the rational element. So you do explain why this is important and you provide the numbers. And you do it in a very consistent fashion and you obviously bank on, on the financial impact of these things because financial impact is vital. Unless we can prove the financial impact of what we do and what our clients do, then the program is always going to be challenged. I think it's also a lot about banking on the emotional element of things. And that is, I think, best delivered with uh, a lot of videos, with bringing the customer, if you will, in the boardroom even or having a real customer with customer experience program. Either way, it's about building this, this kind of emotional element of care, of empathy within companies so that they empathize with their own customers. How do you make people within your organization passionate about delivering the fantastic customer experience? That's really the emotional element of it. And then you have also the environment. So what are the tools and what are the elements? How do you structure the whole environment so that customer experience is at the heart really of everything that you do? Oftentimes you have these monitors within companies' headquarters and so on. And I think it's important that what you have on these screens uh, is not only the company vision and mission and so on. Why not have customer verbatims? Why not, why not have what customers are saying and not just positive maybe you have a couple of negatives as well maybe that instills a sense of urgency within people you give them quick access to things if you build a customer experience dashboard well make sure that it's updated regularly obviously that it shows the correct numbers but it's also that it's very intuitive and easy to use and i always think about you know the weather forecast every morning well not every morning but from time to time I just unlock my phone and I check what's the weather going to be like. That's kind of my dream for a dashboard, you know, because you need one glimpse at this thing to know that, yes, today you need to bring an umbrella. If you want to go into more details, you can do that as well. But what I'm saying is that's the environment that supports, that's the, the infrastructure that supports your, uh, your customer experience program. So it's a lot about the rational element and businesses are about numbers. So financial impact is vital here. It's also important to have this emotional element within the company to make people excited about the experience that they're going to provide. That today, actually, they can do something a little bit better than yesterday and improve their customers' lives. Because improving customers' lives is not only about delivering a fantastic product that no one has ever seen, it's also about solving an issue they have right now. And that could be a fantastic way to, to build relationships with your customers. And it's also about the infrastructure and the environment in which people function. The more you can do about it, the better, because you make it very visible. You make it very easy for your employees to engage with customers and or at least with your program. Um, you make it tangible for them. You bring the customer to them, I think. So it's, it's all of these elements and that's what makes 
the, the role of the head of a customer experience so difficult really because they, they have to, to implement very difficult programs oftentimes, things that are very large in scale that have a lot of moving elements to it. They're hard pressed, of course, to, to always prove the value of what they do. And I think that's what we've been also trying to trying to do a lot more in the recent years. And I think that's going to be the future of it, proving that or showcasing how are we moving the needle. And, but it's also about changing employees' behaviors and employees' attitudes towards their customers. So it's a huge range of change management, really, that heads of customer experience need to do within companies. It's a, it's a fantastic challenge, I believe. Thanks a lot, you for providing this advice and thanks for the inspiring conversation. I'm pleased that I had as my guest today on the Six Impact podcast, my colleague Ival Yorgov, managed director at Jemsic, who guides and inspires Fortune 500 companies to become customer experience leaders. You can find Ival's contact details in the podcast's comments. Conversation about anything you heard today or to learn how can GMC help you speed up your customer experience success, write us on the six impact at gemsic.com. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.